All right, fellas and Felinas, 8.59 and 29 seconds on the East Coast right now here on Sunday, November 17th, coming off of the game versus Georgia Tech. Let's start a little bit differently. I want you guys to, you listeners, to know who we are, kind of connect with y'all, get to know us a little bit better. Um, so, you know, everyone connects over food. So, so Pat, what did you have for, uh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Yeah, I was feeling good this morning. I had some Cheerios and I had uh, some Fruit Loops too. Big cereal guy this morning. What about that's you, Grayson? That's that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good choice. That's, I've I've never mixed those two together before, but hey, do whatever you want. Um, I actually went down to Randy's Donuts in in uh, Inglewood. Great spot. They got the giant donut on top of the establishment. Mm. Um, had a had a blueberry donut. It was delicious. Bill, what did you have for breakfast? That's that's really weird. I had um so obviously um it wasn't up to northeast standards, but I did have a bagel with scallion cream cheese this morning. Um just to pile on top of that. The Hokies had all three of those O-shaped culinary options here. A shutout of the jackets in Atlanta. It was awesome, fellas. How much fun was that this weekend? <laughs> Let's go, baby. Oh, oh we're awesome. <laughs> we're awesome, man. We're, we're feeling awesome. good. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was that was a new, nice news breakfast segment. But let's, you know, we got to revert to an old segment as well. It's time to get uh, nature themed here. And uh, let's jump into some haikus. First haiku. We're, we're doing multiple. When you shut out an HC opponent in their house, you get to do as many haikus as you want. Thank you for all the submissions. Here's the first one from Henry Scott. Hokies good at score. Georgia Tech not good at score. Football is fun now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Beautifully written. Shout out to Henry Scott. Uh, the second one that we're going to read today comes from my old man, uh, Randito at Tech 87. Randy Wimbish says, Paul Johnson is gone. Foster's lunch pail D remains. How's that donut taste? Well, dad, that donut tasted fantastic. (laughs) Submission number three comes from our homecoming queen. The president of the Bud Suit, Beth Barnes. Goose egg, man. Goose egg. Hooker in the Bud Suit, five wins. Now stay in your lane. Love the haikus. Guys, we were haiku heavy this week. It was so fun. Fellas, where did we take in this incredible footballery? The footballery was in the RVA, the 804. Went to uh, the engagement party. Of my good buddy Bryce Chalkley, the Chalkley family, uh, and Macy McLean. Tracy and Rick, you guys throw great parties. That was so much fun. A little oyster roast action. Ooh. And uh, the whole gang, shout out Tackle Sports Gang, they were all down there. The bartender was lining up the fireball after every touchdown, and that was awesome. And uh, we just we just had a good old time. It was perfect. High fives were exchanged, uh, laughs, hugs, chest bumps, the whole nine yards. Great weekend in Richmond, Virginia. Actually, it was a big day. Ran the ran the half marathon, 
and then saw the Hokies kick butt and celebrated two of uh, my very close friends. So that was great. What about you, Grayson? Yeah, I was, about, I was about to say, man, don't sell yourself short. Pat Patrick Finn ran a half marathon. Uh, that's very impressive. That's better than I could ever do. Um, glad you had a great time in Richmond, Pat. That's my hometown. Love the 804. Shout out to everybody in the 804. Uh, guys, it, it, it's gotten very monotonous, and I'm sure that this is very exciting for all the listeners to hear that I uh, watched the game at the exact same spot as I always do. Joxer Daly's had a huge crowd yesterday. If you saw the Instagram story, you saw just how big it was. Uh, love my LA Hokie community. Bill, where'd you watch? I watched in section 130, row 12, in the absolutely packed with orange and maroon Bobby Dodd Stadium. I was sitting with my good friend Trent Young, who came in from Richmond, Virginia. It was great to see him. He was up for the weekend. And East Atlanta Santa, Michael Santa Maria, in the building Ooh. as well. And uh, Riley Scott, a coworker, showed up in the third quarter. So was there in full boat race mode, as you would say, Grace. And he pulls up during the boat racery and came watch a little bit of football. And that was great. Um, and before the event, an absolutely unbelievable job by the Atlanta Hokie Club put on a huge uh, – wait, what should people join, uh, Pat? Join the Hokie Club. Join the Hokie Club. You get to go to great Join events like this clubs. one. Shout out to the Atlanta Hokie Club. They had tents. They had beer. They had food. They had burgers. They had good friends. And they had people dressed up like turkeys. It was absolutely unbelievable. And that was so, so fun, fellas. And I want to just allude to uh, a tweet from Luther Maddie that sums it up. Um, he said, essentially... We take for granted how much and how great it is to actually obliterate a team you're expected to obliterate. With that being said, this is an ACC opponent that we just beat 45 to nothing, and I can't remember the last time that we did that. Pat, take it away. It was a very entertaining game as far as uh, we were shutting them down the entirety of the first half. They didn't move the ball past the 50-yard line until their last drive of the game. And we were doing the complete opposite. We, we were starting out in fantastic field position because of Mr. Robinson returning punts like a beast, making the first guy miss, and just pounding the ball down their throats. It was outstanding. And, you know, first reaction is just like, there's so much to talk about. It's, it's uh, Everything was just clicking again, uh, just because... Hendon can really run this offense, and the defense has completely evolved as well. What were your initial thoughts, Grayson? You know, guys, Bill, you you had just asked the question. I, I mean, you don't know how long it's been since we've beaten an in-conference team that bad. Man, I think the last time that we won that comfortably was in 2016 against UVA uh, when we beat them 52-10. to 10. I mean, it was one of those games where – like, at first, you, you get those first two touchdowns. You're like, uh, you know, maybe they'll come back and score, make it interesting. But by the time it was 21-0 to zero before halftime, actually, it was 31-0 to zero before halftime. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this, this is great. It was the first time at Jocks or Dailies where I was, like, able to actually socialize with people around <laughs> me and, like, relax and enjoy myself and do a little bit of networking so, and, and and I'm not biting my nails glued to the television. It was fantastic. 
Mr. Jockster Daily, thank you for the West Coast update there. Pat, you're the hokey history man. Can you uh can you talk to us a little bit about shutouts and where we have been with those recently? I love a nice 45-0 shutout. Um and kind of t- want to take us down the last five shutouts cuz this was I want to say it, w- it was Bud's 38th shutout. Um don't quote me on that. I think it was 38. But uh, last five shutouts. We'll take it from the top. UVA 2011. Winner goes to the ACC championship. This was uh, this determined in the coastal here. Both teams are ranked. We go in on our all whites to Charlottesville. <laughs> 38-0, bro. Uh, David Wilson has a great game. Logan Thomas has a great game. Obviously, the defense shows out. Bowling Green 2012. Win 37-0. Honestly, could not tell you much about that game <laughs> at all, uh, but we sent the Falcons packing. Wake Forest, 2014. But um, to whatever, you know, that's a joke, but uh, we did shut them out in regulation, 0-0. Uh, but let's move on from that. Boston College, at home in 2016, uh, 49-0. Uh, when I think of this game, I think Matua Puaka had a uh, a nice little uh, fumble six. And then Virginia, 2017, 10-0 in Charlottesville. One of the more boring games in the series, but nonetheless, I mean, you're pitching shutouts. You're throwing goose eggs all over the field. You love that. Uh, so shout out Josh Jackson and uh, the 2017 team. A um, little hokey history for you. Love the hokey history, and let's get into the game a little bit. Some nuggets, some things that we took away. I mean, it was just a great performance from Virginia Tech in general. Um, sharing the sugar is the word that I come away with uh, from this football game. Got a healthy dose of Quincy Patterson, who was two for two in the air game here. But just to go down the list, Robinson, 49 yards, Stewart, 40 yards, Patterson, 40 yards, Turner, 39, McLeese, 34, King, 29, and Hooker, 10, and even Grimsley got in on the rushing action the other day against the Jackets. And then in terms of receiving, we got 90 from King, 82 from, I'm sorry, 90 from Mitchell, 82 from King, 46 from Turner, 4 from Keene, and 1 from McLeese. It was wonderful. Everybody touched the ball. Everybody had a lot of fun. Everybody got their fingerprints all over the game on offense. And, um, you know, who doesn't love that? But, Pat, you really wanted to key in on one of the units who have been one of our favorite units all season. Please, Pat, take it away. Oh, T-Unit. Round of applause for those lads. Using James Mitchell in the screen game has been a weapon. James Mitchell gets out in open space on these screens and just has so much room to run uh, because uh, you know, we were talking. I was talking with some of my buddies about you know who's the most dangerous on the team in open space. You know, is it Keyshawn King? Is it Tavion Robinson? Is it Quincy? Or is it James Mitchell? And you think if James Mitchell is in open space, that means that everybody has been accounted for. There's hats on everyone uh, for as far as, you know, uh, assignments and downfield blocking. James Mitchell just rumbles and rumbles and rumbles and picks up these huge chunks of yardage. So seeing him in the screen game is terrific. Also had a nice touchdown catch yesterday. Has, you know, three or four rushing touchdowns on the year as well. And then our guy, 
Dalton Keene. He's like a, a lawnmower. He just mows these people over. He was mowing <laughs> mowing sorry defenders down onto the sod all game long. And if you are on Twitter, you need to check out Wes Keene's tweet. Uh, I, I believe it's Dalton's father. Tweeted a picture of Dalton Keene as like a six-year-old uh, dressed head to toe in front of a 7-Eleven wearing Hokie gear. It is the funniest picture. He, I don't know if he's six years old. He might be 10 years old. He has braces in the picture. Um, he's a lot smaller in the picture than he is now, of course. But uh, a great representation of T-Unit. Dalton Keene, legend. James Mitchell, legend of Big Stone Gap. Uh, absolutely love watching these two. Have to say... Uh, in terms of the screen game, Hooker does an excellent job waiting till the last second to dump off these screens. It's definitely one of yes. the strong suits of his game. And also, no, it not floating the ball and giving it an opportunity to get picked. You always get a little scared with a little behind-the-line screens if they're able to read it, but he leaves no, um, no second-guessing there, and that's really a huge reason to the success of those plays. And due to Tenuta's and the cannons of the world and the Darasaws of the world running downfield and throwing blocks. It's great to see. We were talking about the T unit. Let's talk about the G unit with a lowercase g. G off Collins. Rocking the Adidas Capris. You saw some ankle there hanging out. No, you know, no show socks. Um, this man <laughs> got to give credit where credit is due. We said it earlier in the podcast. He's doing well recruiting in terms of teams power ranking that we're going to be battling with in the future. Uh, Georgia Tech is up there, but Geoff Collins, not a fan of uh, good old competition late. You got the twos in trying to score some points, maybe hang a 50 piece on fourth down. We went for it in the red zone. This man was out on the hashes of the redone sod furious at the Virginia Tech Hokies for trying to score more points, which is what you try to do to win football games. Um, Some may have called it Bush League. I call it, you know what, I like to score 50. Scoring 50 is fun. And Georgia Tech, you made a a pretty unenjoyable experience in uh, Lane Stadium last year, so I had no problem with it at all. Either of you have any thoughts on... The past three years... The past, the past three, years. three years, man. This is that was a personal victory. Completely agree. So, Grayson, you don't have a problem with going for it uh, down in the red zone. Absolutely not. Which uh, which brings me to my next point. Um, we are averaging forty points a game when Hendon Hooker starts. Uh, let me let, let me run some facts down real quick. First off, 45 points is the most that Virginia Tech has ever scored in the series at Georgia Tech. And for the first time in a long time, Virginia Tech has won four consecutive ACC games in the same season for the first time since winning seven straight en route to an ACC Coastal Championship in 2011. Uh, this this victory also, Hendon Hooker improves to five and zero as the starting quarterback, and head coach Justin Fuente improves to twenty one and zero at Virginia Tech when holding opponents to twenty or less points. Numbers do not lie, boys. And I think the one biggest thing, Georgia Tech hadn't been shut out since October 18th, 1997, when they lost 38-0 to at Florida State. Their scoring streak 
was 282 games long, and we ended that yesterday. Grayson, which is abs- when you were on the internet machine, how many espressos were you downing when you were going down your uh, <laughs> your stats uh, page here, my friend? I, I, I had a couple of espressos. What of it? How about you leave me alone and let me do my thing? <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely crushed that. Thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, for the record, I'm not in jail. Somebody asked that as a question. I, I, I'm not in jail. Um, an- <laughs> another thing, another thing that I'd like to point out is that my my Dax Hollifield has had three interceptions in the past three games. That's insane. You know, come come uh, Thanksgiving weekend, UVA fans are really going to hate my man because he's coming. He's coming for that interception off Bryce Perkins, but we got business to attend to next week. Another thing that uh, another thing that I like to point out from the LPD, which had its best performance of the year yesterday, we are seven and zero in games where we have two or more sacks, which is absolutely insane. Uh, the defense was on it yesterday, boys. Like I, it it made me almost shed a tear. Because I don't think I have seen the defense swarm like that in a long, long time. Grayson, uh, other than um, that, the defense looked extremely fast. Like, at, at least for me, since watching the condensed game as, as, as we do on Sundays and, and watching it in person, that is the fastest I've ever seen Dax play. I, I, one play sticks out to mind is where he bursted through the line, was sitting on the ground and just screaming at the sideline. He looked fast. He uh, he was making his reads really quickly. It was it was a great game by Dax. Great game by Tisdale. Uh, the defensive line was awesome as well. Um, just a just a really fun game to watch. Uh, even Graham got grappled after uh, after a few series there. And Mr. We got, Graham, Mr. Graham got pulled, and they put in some super short dude. He got in there. I think his name was Ye- T.J. Yates or something. I don't know, but he was in the game. <laughs> T.J. Yates. That's a. Uh... That's a Carolina quarterback from about a decade ago. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? He probably Bill, lost to Bill. <laughs> I uh, I agree with you, man. I think it's it's insane, and it speaks volumes for how much this team has grown on both sides of the ball. I think one uh, area that has grown immensely since last season is the defensive line. Uh, last year, the defensive line really struggled to get any pressure on any opposition, on any on any opposing quarterbacks. But this year, I mean, we don't have the biggest guys on our defensive line, but guys like Crawford, Pollard, Garbutt, Belmar, they're getting back there. They're applying the pressure. And I think we learned after the Notre Dame game, we got to send it because the boys can get back there. And if they can't get back there, then they can open up the holes for the linebackers to get back there. I love what I'm seeing from the defense, boys. Yeah, and like with Dax getting these picks, I mean, that's two weeks in a row where we've seen us swarming their quarterback. We hit him as he throws, and Dax is there. You know, he could pretty much call a fair catch. And what I love to see in addition to that is, you know, Dax Dax gets all the hype because he's the one picking off the pass. But uh, Belmar was the one who applied the pressure on the quarterback. Went full flying squirrel mode, hands in the air, (laughs) leaping through the Georgia air 
to get him down on the side. It was a thing of beauty, Pat. Yes, it was, it was beautiful. But, um, you know, Belmar gets swarmed by the entire defensive line and by the, uh, you know, the secondary and the linebacker crew as well. Dak's got a lot of love, but also you see Belmar get a ton of love. And uh, that says a lot about our team. I mean, people referring to the Duke game, everything after the Duke game is AD after Duke. And I see that. I completely see how this team is just completely turned around. They really play for each other on both sides of the ball. You know, we're beating a dead horse here by saying this team is growing up before our eyes, but they really are. And want to give a big shout out um, to John Cran, who is a huge fan of the Suns. We absolutely love John Cran. And John Cran tweeted, he says, uh, and, and this was in relation to uh, Damon Hazelton and Trey Turner dancing on the sidelines after the game, which was just a treat, uh, dancing to that. I don't know the name of that song. Sugar Hill Gang, man. Jump on it. <laughs> it's that Sugar fun. Hill, Did you on, not Pat. watch Fresh Prince growing up, Pat? It's come on. Was Nick at Night yeah, too late on, for you? Man. All right. All right. It's the fun song that they play at weddings, and you, you kind of thrust your hips around and then jump around, spin around, jump on it. Well, anywho. <laughs> back to come my on, man. John Cran. Love the tweet. He says, fellow Hokie fans. Have you noticed how our players are utilizing social media these days? He says, no one is posting highlight reels of themselves. They are posting about the team, the love that they're feeling towards the team, what all caps they will accomplish all caps together. The I guys are gone. Hashtag go Hokies. So big, big shout out to John. We completely agree. Bill, what, what were your thoughts on that tweet? First and foremost, John Cran, big fan, uh, big fan of the hashtag CranCam. Can't wait for those to come out a little bit later in the week. Um, I have to say I agree. Watching this team play, uh, if you've gotten out to a game or if you do follow the guys on on social media, you can tell just how much fun they're having. Um, And the dancing was just a microcosm of that. They're high-fiving after the game, everybody flocking to Belmar, flocking to Dax, the togetherness is there. Um, you can just tell all of these guys genuinely are having a lot of fun playing together and a lot of fun obviously winning, but in everything they do, they just look like it's it's like a breath of fresh air and it's been it's been a ton of fun to watch. And speaking of dancing, I'm not sure if you all have heard. It's supposed to be cold. We're playing a Pittsburgh team. It's a big football game, so obviously the East Coast Suns will be traveling to Blacksburg and checking it out. And Friday night, once we all arrive, unpack our bagarinos and head on out to grab some Long Islands, where are we going to be dancing the night away? One place and one place only, Sharkies, where good friends go, wing and rib joint. Please come join the Suns. Have some fun. They gave away a $25 gift card they're here to help and show love to the to the people of blacksburg come dance the night away with the suns hopefully they play that song that pat may have heard for the very first time at this game or at the wedding check out his moves with the hip thrusts or however he likes to dance to it i'll be doing the same thing it's gonna be an all-timer pat we love sharkies we can't wait to be in blacksburg next week Oh, man. Come find us at Sharky's. We're going to be there on Friday night uh, for happy hour. 
And we're going to have stickers. We ordered a ton of stickers, and we're going to be giving them away. Please enjoy us. Enjoy our company. Enjoy our stickers. Come up to us and say, give me a sticker, and I'll stick it on you. Um, big shout-out to Salisbury Hokey, Cam underscore Sauls on Twitter. We did a little giveaway um, for who could predict the score for the game yesterday. And uh, we're giving away a little Sharky's gift card. So Cam predicted the 31-0 shutout. He was the only person to predict a shutout, which was big. And with the margin of victory, 31 points, uh, that's pretty dang good, too. So Cam, we will get you your gift card. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll DM you, and uh, we will link that up. But hit us up. We're excited to be in Blacksburg this weekend. Must be nice, boys. Must be real nice. You're not going to get mad at us for you going out and doing the Hollywood thing. It's about 20. Uh, that's a little warmer. It's 44 degrees here, uh, Grayson. I think you could step outside and run on the beach. So who's the real winner here? I'm really not trying to hear any of that. <laughs> Speaking of awards, the Pratt Award. Pat, who is the Pratt Award winner this week? Oh, man. Mr. Defense. I love defensive touchdowns. You know, I I yearn for defensive and special teams touchdowns. And Caleb Farley, number three, picking off a pass, taking to the house, looking looking a little like Mr. Greg Stroman, number three, two years ago, uh, taking a pick six back. Caleb Farley, you're getting the Pride Award this week because you are the best defensive back in the ACC. He gets the Pride Award. Just a heads up, boys. Caleb Farley played quarterback in high school. Like that, his growth as a defensive back is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. After struggling late last year, coming into the season, not really knowing what we were going to get with him, the man has been lights out in pass deflections, coverage deep down the field, uh, having a—I don't even know how many interceptions the man's had, but it had been so long since we had had a pick six and pat you can relate to this man back in the years with like brandon flowers and macho harris those guys used to get them all the time and it was the greatest thing on earth and now caleb farley has brought the pick six in bud foster's final season back to the virginia tech defense and i i could not be happier i could not be happier about it i hope he brings many more in the final games that we play and to take that a step further, Grayson, um, Farley was actually playing and practicing at wide receiver for up until that uh, that year that he started at defensive back last year. So it has True. been incredible. I mean, in my opinion, um, defensive back is the hardest position there is to play. You need to know where everybody is at all times. Your your job is is reactionary for the most part in terms of what you need to do. So um, big shout out to him. Moving on down the line, the Joy Award. Tavion Robinson, Sweet Feet Tay, is electric. The first person is constantly missing the tackle. He has great shiftery, constantly aware of where he is, great awareness on the field, strategic, fair catching, huge fan of Tavian Robinson. He has reinvigorated the punt return team, and it's been great. Uh, Pat, don't you have a... Uh don't you have a, a, a shout out here for special teams here? I think we all do. Oh, we gotta give some honorable honorable mention juice out here to the Outback legend, 
Oscar Bradburn. Big shout out to the real Decona, David Cunningham. Awesome stats guy on Twitter. All hookies should be following him. Uh, but he tweeted after the win yesterday, Oscar Bradburn is first in the nation in average yards per punt at 48.3 yards. So big honorable mention shout out to Oscar. Uh, I think um, I think he only punted like two times yesterday. Which is great. I, I I love you, Oscar. I don't really like it when you're on the field, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> he is awesome. When he has to be on the field, you know he's going to take care of business. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, I, I I do want to revisit Tavian Robinson really quickly. I, I I said this last week. I think I think before the season's over, we're going to have a punt return, and I think he's going to be the man to do it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Uh, last award for our Pride, Joy, and Foo Crew is the Foo Crew Award, and that goes to the pride of Big Stone Gap, Mm. number 82, James Mitchell. Kid is an absolute stud. And, and boys, I remember, I remember uh, in in all the spring practice, right before he he was a starter, everybody was hyping James Mitchell up. This kid is a beast. He's going to be one of the best tight ends in Virginia Tech history. And he has absolutely lived up to that hype. He's got the speed of a wide receiver. I mean, the kid has wheels, uh, had a touchdown yesterday. I love that little out route that they do. They send Dalton Keene out to the right as a little diversion. And James Mitchell, is he's, he's got the campfire stoked in the back of the end zone. <laughs> he's roasting marshmallows back there. He's got all the time in the world. And somebody, you know, Hooker, Tootsie roll right over, sends him the chocolate, just throws him the chocolate right over the top and puts it on the graham cracker touchdown, baby. Uh, so shout out to James Mitchell. You like to talk about um, you know comparisons here, and me and Pat being in sales, you always tell people like, hey man, if you're running a, uh, if you're putting a link in an email, two point five percent is a good percentage, or three percent is a good percentage of people clicking on it. So we're going to talk a little. Now that's obviously not what you want for your red zone percentage, but in terms of percentages in general. Inside the red zone, we love Hannon James Mitchell, that jet sweep. In his career, four carries, three touchdowns. That is called efficiency. James Mitchell, a man of efficiency. You love to see it. Bill, like you, um, I too love efficiency. Pat, do you love efficiency? Because I love efficiency. Of course. Big efficiency, boys. Anyway, folks, it is that time of the week where we transition into what we like to call Pat's Rant. Paticus Finch is about to go off, bring the, what I consider one of the most entertaining parts of this entire podcast. Uh, it's where Pat gets a little bit fired up, which doesn't have, uh, doesn't happen too often. Pat, take it away. What is the topic today? What are you talking about? Yes. So I'm going to talk about something that's not a huge issue at all. I'm just going to bring it to the surface because it's something that kind of ticks me off a little bit. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I see this on Twitter all the time. When our football program, after a loss or you know after anything that happens that is not so positive, and on the other side, something positive happens to the basketball program, people love throwing out there, hashtag basketball school. Oh yeah, basketball school now. Oh yeah, we're a basketball school. That joke was funny last year after we went six and seven and we made the sweet 16 like oh yeah totally get it basketball school haha yeah basketball school good one like it was a complete joke 
But people are still kind of doing it, and it grinds my gears. I think it was funny last year, but like, let's talk about being a basketball school and a football school. Traditionally, Virginia Tech is a football school. And these basketball school fans, like I don't know how long you guys have been Hokie fans, but you got to know where your bread is buttered, and your bread is buttered with that game on the gridiron in Lane Stadium. That's the reality. Uh, to the basketball school folks, do not bite the hand that feeds you. We are a national name brand because of football. We have all these amazing athletic facilities because of football. We traditionally, over the past 20 years, our admissions and application numbers uh, have gone up because of football success. We have one of the greatest tailgate scenes on the East Coast because of football. We were brought into the Atlantic Coast Conference because of football. And we are a football school. And there's nothing wrong with being both. But just to like kind of like take a dig at the football team saying basketball school, basketball school, I absolutely love the fact that Mike Young is the man. And I think Buzz did a great job for us as well in his short tenure. Um, there's nothing wrong with being both. I mean, you could look at Ohio State, you could look at Michigan, you could look at Michigan State, I mean, look at Florida, like, they are both. They have very successful football programs, they have very successful basketball programs. There's nothing wrong with reverting back to the football school ways. You have to realize how important football is in the grand scope of your entire athletics program. It is the cash cow, and it is what Virginia Tech's athletics relevance is rooted in. It's rooted in football. The reality of it is that Americans care about football more than any other sport. So, you know, when we have any type of floundering in football, just to revert to, oh, we're a basketball school now, <laughs> it gets under my skin. And uh, that's all I really have to say about that. Just understand that we have so many good things. Virginia Tech is a great reputation because of football. And basketball is great, too. Bill, Grayson, do you guys have any uh, opinion on that matter that drives me nuts i mean it's not it's not even as much as it is like saying hey like i'm really happy about our basketball uh, our basketball situation or hey like the basketball team's doing a great thing it's more so taking a dig at football which is annoying and again virginia tech is not a basketball school what i would like to be is a greatly balanced school we're not we've been a national recognized brand because of football and our basketball team has obviously been doing a great job and has come on as of late and wrestling has done a great job and has come on of late and the men and women's soccer so I mean at the end of the day Virginia Tech was built on football raised on football and it's great to see other sports having some success and that's that's awesome um Grayson what about you I mean like <clears throat> I think you guys really both hit the nail on the head in terms of spreading the love. By the way, shout out to the men's wrestling team for upsetting the number two wrestling school in the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, it's all about spreading the love. I, I, Virginia Tech is known for football. We are Michael Vick, Frank Beamer, Tyrod Taylor, all that. That's great. I love it. Uh, that's what I grew I, I grew up and that's what it was. When, when I was growing up, our basketball team was average at best. I'm sorry, but that's what it was. Coach Buzz kind of took us into the stratosphere, a level that we had never seen before. He's gone now, and we have, I think, such a great replacement. 
Coach Beamer and Sneakers, Mike Young, they're doing work. The football team is doing work. It was funny last year when the football team was struggling. Ha, ha, ha. The, the, the Libra scale is, is, is uneven now. You know, the basketball team was doing better. I get that. But now it's like both are kicking butt. So be happy for both. Go Hokies. At the end of the day, we're all Hokies. We need to cheer on our boys, girls. It doesn't matter what we're doing. At the end of the day, spread the love. Be happy for any Virginia Tech athletics team. Completely love that. Um, and and just while we're on the subject of other sports, I wanted to uh, touch on a cool story from the Wake Forest tailgate uh, that one of my buddies, Josh Little, uh, sent to me. He says, have a cool story for you. My cousin is friends with Landers Nolly and brought him and several other players to our tailgate on Saturday. Uh, she has an autistic cousin whose favorite player is PJ Horn. PJ wasn't there, so Nolly calls him and tells him to come over. Uh, and PJ left wherever he was to come take pictures with the kid and then gave the kid's dad his cell phone number so he could call him on his upcoming birthday. I absolutely love the way Mike Young has his team playing when I watched them on Friday, but was way more impressed by that on Saturday. That is awesome, awesome stuff right there. End quote. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, that that's what it's all about. That's super special um, you know, you could tell like Mike Young speaks so highly of PJ Horn um, and all the kids on the team. But uh, that that's just a very cool, um, a cool story as well. Pat, absolutely great story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Hey there, Hokies. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is. You know what has been bugging me lately? Rats, rodents, spiders, ladybugs, UVA fans, in-laws, whatever it is. If you're in Blacksburg, if you're in Roanoke, if you are in the New River Valley, and you have these things inhabiting your living space, and you want them out of there, give PMSI a call. PMSI, that's Pest Management Services Incorporated. They are... Uh, are very new to the New River Valley area, and they are actually the official pest control partner of Virginia Tech Athletics. Uh, We are a new partner with them, and they are hooking it up with giveaways. Uh, Last week, we gave away a couple basketball tickets. Shout out Jess Jones on Twitter, always doing contests. This week, we're going to be giving away uh, some parking passes to the Pittsburgh game as well. So keep your eyes peeled on Twitter. Uh, for some parking passes from PMSI. It's going to be an awesome giveaway. And give them a call if you have any issues uh, with pests or UVA fans crawling around your house or in your basement. All right, welcome back, everybody. Even with the quick break here, I am hot and bothered about one other thing. Pat, would you mind if I... um Pat's rant is what we do every week, but I have a little thing that's got that's really grinding my gears here. You mind if I if you mind if I just piggyback on your uh, on your segment Ooh. for a second? Bill's rant. Let's go. Double down. Something that's driving me absolutely crazy is the and I just want to preface this by saying I have not spoken to anybody involved with the program, have not heard anything about this ex- except for the outside noise regarding it. Quincy Patterson has played a pivotal role in this 
team success this year, whether that's filling in for Hendon Hooker in both the Notre Dame and North Carolina games, whether it's coming in on a a third and short and you need somebody to just truck and run somebody over. The Quincy Patterson needs to transfer, or the Quincy Patterson, there's no way that he stays, or there's no way that he's coming back. I'm just so frustrated with consistently hearing that and just that entire model of thinking throughout college football. Quincy Patterson's a kid that has given you no reason to believe that in the season of 2019-2020, he is completely committed to making this team better. And all of that noise externally talking about what this young man should do with, with his future and what he needs to do is, A, not based on anything you're seeing on the field. He couldn't have been more supportive of his teammates. His teammates could not be more supportive of him. You could see when he uh, comes out of the game after scoring, Hendon Hooker is the first one to go over and shake his hand. He's got handshakes with everybody. He seems happy, loves being on the team. Um, and you heard how highly Hendon spoke about him after the game. It's up to him what he wants to do, but there's nothing that leads you to believe that his head is anywhere else than focusing on this 2019 season and helping Virginia Tech be the best team that they can possibly be. All of that noise from the outside is nothing but toxic and based in zero fact, and I am extremely sick of hearing about it. That's my take. Do you all have anything to piggyback on that? Yes. I just want to say, first of all, like, it's all speculation, <clears throat> and it's like, let's bring this up and talk about it. How about we just enjoy the roller coaster ride of this season? Like, why we got to speculate if Quincy's going to stay or not? Like, can we just enjoy beating Georgia Tech 45 nothing and enjoy Quincy's 19-yard or 19-yard uh, run on third and short uh, when he came in for the game for one play and then, you know, played great, was two for two, and uh, put up some good numbers in garbage time? Like, why do we need to just do all this speculation just enjoy the status quo enjoy the moment and enjoy the coastal race and i don't think if he was going anywhere he would say after the game hendon hooker's my brother you know he's out there doing work i have his back he's got mine like that bill you're exactly right it's completely it's completely toxic it takes away from the fun that this season has been in the turnaround. It's like, let's focus on what's important, and that's winning football games, not whether or not Quincy Patterson is staying. I mean, that's, that is completely irrelevant right now. And, 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 and why – you don't even have to consider that. Why would you think, like, oh, he's, he's going to transfer? Like, based on what? And Next, it's not, and it doesn't, on. and the buck doesn't end with him. It's across college sports. It seems like anytime somebody does a really good job or, or a highly rated recruit is, is in a situation or not getting as much time as, as you feel the fans sitting in his couch should get, there's no business for you to tell him what he should be doing or how he should be thinking or guessing how he should be thinking. At the end of the day, this entire team has been a ton of fun to watch. They love each other. And there doesn't seem to be any prima donna, any caring about playing time, any caring about catches. They just love to win, and they love with playing with one another. And that needs to be the narrative and the story that is going on and what I want to hear more of. That's what I'm hot and bothered about. So I appreciate you, Pat. Thank you for allowing me the chance to be upset for a second. But now we're going to bring it back in. We're bringing it back in. We're bringing it back in. <laughs> Bill's, Bill's usually the mediator, and, and it's weird to kind of hear him pop off like that. I enjoyed that. We need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to call a spade a spade, uh, Grayson. You got to call a spade to spade. Got to. I'm not going to swallow got my to. tongue here. I'm going to be up front. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to call it how it is. And speaking about calling it how it is, 
you guys picked up the old rotary phone, picked up the old postcard, and wrote us some letters for the lunch pail, and now it's time to talk about them. Pat, who's the first person in the lunch pail deck? All right, Robert Irby. He says, not exactly VT-related, but what are y'all's thoughts on the current playoff system? How would you feel about an eight-team playoff with Power 5 champs, one group of five team, and two at-larges? Bill, go ahead. I think it's pretty universally recognized that we would all like to see more football games. The way that that's going to be done is you can't add more games. Kids already play a ton of games. Kids already are playing early in the season before school even starts. I think the way to do this is if you want to move to that system is to eliminate the games with the Furmans and the JMUs of the world. Put them all into one super conference that does a 64-team playoff similar to the way that they do it in AA already without playing these big schools. Allow those big schools to play all of their conference games and then incorporate some additional out-of-conference games or those additional two games that you would play in that playoff system. I also think this year that a lot of people are freaking out, including myself. I don't think that Georgia had any business in the top four last week. They were in the top four, but all of this gets figured out. The teams in the SEC, there's going to be some cannibalism there. Teams will be knocked out. Teams will be knocked in. And in terms of the four-team playoff, is it ideal and probably the best it could be? No. But in the, at the same token, I haven't. there hasn't been a year where a team missed out where you're like, you know what, that was actually the best team in college football and they weren't in it. So um, I think that that kind of narrative is just, you know, Obviously, we'd like to see more football. Obviously, we'd like to see more teams get a chance. But there hasn't been a glaring team that's missed. You may be upset about the rankings in Week 8, Week 9, Week 10. Uh, but at the end of the day, at the last game of the season, if we have the two best teams playing against each other, that's really all that you can ask for. So um, those are my kind of thoughts on the playoff system uh, in general. So uh, what's next on the what's next on the list here? Going forward, uh, our second question today comes from Matt502Hokie, and he asks, what is the perception as to how much Jerry Kill has helped with the turnaround of this team? Feeding off of that, do you think that someone poaches him from us? I'm going to take this one. Um, Here's what I think about the, the addition of Jerry Kill. First and foremost, I can't speak to the poaching. I think he really likes being here. He was in an administrative role before at the University of Minnesota. Um, and I think he really just wants to be around football. He's not trying to do the whole administrative thing, and he and he likes being here. He's got a great relationship with Coach Fuente. And here's what I think of, of the addition. Jerry Kill is a football savant. He's been around football for a very long time, and he brings a great wealth of knowledge of the game. And I actually think this is more than just a, hey, he came in and changed a bunch of stuff, and, 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 and now everything's better. That's, that's a ridiculous assumption. What I think the truth is here is, is having a lot there's – a, there's a saying, and it's that too many chefs spoil, spoil the food or spoil the cook, whatever. That's not necessarily what I think this is. I think if you can get as many intelligent football minds in a room together, consistently analyzing what are we doing, what is the other team doing, and how can we take advantage of the situations that are given to us, that's a positive and being able to look at things from a bunch of different angles. So I want to say 
from Coach Fuente and Coach Cornelson and Coach Burden and, and Coach Foster, Coach Wiles, all of these coaches willing to listen to a different angle that Coach Kill or whoever else may be able to bring uh, in terms of suggestion or usage or uh, a couple things that you may notice is the running backs are a lot more patient. Uh, if, you, if, if you're kind of familiar with power as a run game, bouncing power outside is a big no-no. You want to be patient and allow the pulling guard to get through and let, seal up the linebacker. So you see McLeese is, is waiting on blocks to develop. The offensive line has been able to get in a rhythm, we rotate offensive linemen a lot less than we did earlier in the season, which is another thing that um, that has changed since then. Not sure if he's had a hand in that or it's more so young guys kind of filling into, okay, this is who we're going to roll with for the majority of a game. Um, but the run game has been really the thing that stuck out. And, and I look at it, Minnesota's numbers um, before Jerry Kill arrived and then after he arrived. So PK, pre-Kill arriving in Minnesota. They were 3-9 and nine in 2010 and averaged 135 yards per game at a 3.6 yards per clip. In 2011, the first year that he was there, they went up to 160 yards and 4.1 yards per clip. And then fast forward to 2014, Minnesota is rushing for 215 yards per game and 4.7 yards per clip. So... He's had the biggest impact, in my opinion, here on the running game. I know that McLeese has spent some time and uh, the other running backs have spent some time just kind of going over it with him and just soaking up that knowledge. So it's a huge shout-out to the kids and the coaches for being willing to hear some other opinions and really taking that in, and, and uh, it's made a huge effect on, uh, on this team. Um, so that's what I've kind of seen from it. And then uh, the next question we have here. It's uh it's a solid one. Grady Baker always coming in with the hot questions. Most annoying coach in college football, Pat Narduzzi or Jim Harbaugh? Well, I actually want to add a third piece into this puzzle. I think I actually like Harbaugh. I think his goofiness uh I like I think I'd get along with the guy. I think he's just like a weird goofy guy. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't be best friends with him, but like, you know, I I could I could get a beer <laughs> with the guy. James Franklin is the woat. I hate James Franklin. James Franklin and Pat. Noxious. James Franklin and Pat Narduzzi. I I think Pat is at the tippity top of the list. I mean, if you go on YouTube and type pass the salt, Pat, it's a, the key play video from, uh, from three years ago, 2016. The guy complains about pass interference, uh, from that game the entire time saying that Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges were pushing off and his guys were actually all over us. It was going both ways. He's just one of the whiniest coaches we we've seen. You know, if you turn on any game, he's usually complaining about pass interference. I'm going to go with Narduzzi, number one, James Franklin, number two. And then there's kind of like a, a, a big gap. Uh, before Harbaugh on that list. I know Grayson wanted to weigh in here. I think it's very poetic that both Narduzzi and James Franklin coach in the, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, that's that's an interesting little tidbit. Um, I cannot stand Pat Narduzzi. Uh, uh, I think he is a pompous jackass. Um, and definitely takes the cake now that Paul Johnson has retired for the most annoying, whiny, arrogant, just all around hated coach in the ACC. 
Uh, I don't like his glasses. I don't like. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like his style. I don't like anything about him. His energy. It bot- every time you turn on the TV and you're watching a Pittsburgh game, nine times out of ten, you know they got the top clock. I wonder what the to camera angle where they're just showing a very angry Pat Narduzzi yelling at the refs. So uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of Pat Narduzzi. James Franklin, uh, by the way, see you next year, buddy. He's equally as obnoxious for different reasons. Don't really want to get into that. He's not in the ACC, so I don't care. By the way, you lost to Minnesota, so you really ain't all that. Um, Both of them, very, very annoying. Pat, I agree with you. Jim Harbaugh, I think he's more quirky than anything else. I just think he's a very weird person. Um, Do do I hate him? Not particularly, but I, I definitely... I, I definitely don't like him either. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, but anyway, you guys are angry. On. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 a little we're a little angry. But uh, I, I don't know Pittsburgh this coming this coming week. It's it's got me heated. I just think of Narduzzi, and I'm like, ugh, I'm gonna have to watch him on TV yelling at the refs all game long. And guess what, boys? I'm not looking forward to it. You guys are going to be in the stands. You don't have to watch Pat Narduzzi freak out. I do. So, can I say another thing that it's totally unrelated? But I've read, been reading on the on the on the Twitter machine a lot. People are not excited about Bill Walton announcing our game in Hawaii. I actually, you know, the game's going to be really late at night. Uh, being in Hawaii, I actually don't mind watching listening to Bill Walton. He certainly keeps you entertained. Um, I'll give it a good 15 minutes, maybe throw on the IMG Sports Radio Network if I'm not a fan. But, guys, give give Bill Walton a chance here. Pat, do you have an opinion on Bill Walton here? I think he's funny. Okay, big <laughs> basketball guy, Pat Pitt. He's obviously, uh, obviously on board with Bill Walton. But I take it you don't t- watch a lot of uh, Pac-12 basketball, Pat. Uh, I don't – I mean, he yeah, he's a weird dude, but he's kind of funny, so – I'm Thank looking you. forward to it. If you're I wish complaining I was about down. him, put on Lays and Burn Up because they rule. Um, I love Lasers play-by-play for basketball. Um, next question. If you don't have your own stadium, are you really a serious college football program? This is also Grady Baker. I want to say no. The first two programs that come to mind for me are the Pittsburgh Panthers, of course, as well as the Miami Hurricanes. Now, everyone knows Pitt plays at Heinz Field, home of the Steelers. Miami plays at Sun Life, or actually Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Miami Dolphins. Miami formerly played in the Orange Bowl, I believe, their last year in the Orange Bowl of 2008. Pitt used to play in Pitt Stadium, which was on campus in Oakland. And they had a fan section. I think they called it the Oakland Zoo. They used to pack those games. This was back, you know, when Pitt was a nationally relevant program. I mean, they have some national championships. They have some Heisman winners. Pittsburgh football was hot back in the day. Um, if you want to talk about other teams who play in NFL stadiums, Temple plays at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, South Florida plays at Raymond James Stadium, home of the Buccaneers. And then San Diego State plays um, or formerly played at the home of the uh, San Diego Chargers. I think if you really want to make a statement to the world saying that you are serious about your college football, you got to have your own stadium on campus. Um, like even just Pittsburgh playing 
last week on Thursday night, the same exact time as the Pittsburgh Steelers playing, just sent a big message to not only the ACC, but the entire country saying, you don't really take your football seriously and you don't put it number one where it's occupying the same time slot uh, as the NFL. So that's my two cents on it. I would love to see Miami put a stadium back on campus or back around campus, Coral Gables as well, um, because you're sending a message that football is really not as much of a priority if you don't have your own stadium. I'll take that a step further. Since we kind of body bagged Pitt already, I'll go ahead and zip up the bag. If football is not the most important, University of Pittsburgh, what is? Obviously, education is paramount. That's huge, but we are Virginia Tech. Education is paramount here as well. But if it ain't football, it's not basketball either because we beat you in that every year. Not really sure what's paramount at the uh, University of Pittsburgh. Maybe it's going down to Steelers games, getting a hot dog, putting some mustard on it. If you put ketchup on your hot dogs, you're weird. But Pat Narduzzi, that's probably what he does anyway. So whatever. Um, Yeah. Permanti Bros, that's what they eat too. He's putting that Heinz 57. He's putting that local stuff on there. Oh, you know? Good God <laughs> gracious. Uh, Outrageous. All right, fellas, as we're winding down here, just a couple of quick shout outs. Really, really quick here. Michael Santa Maria, huge fan of the pod. Uh, working at JP Morgan here in Atlanta, and obviously he's got a big time day tomorrow. He's got to analyze. He's got to look at stocks. He's got to figure stuff out. He's got to use a lot of brain power, and the brain needs a little sleep. But I hit him up right after he dropped me off, and we dropped Trenton off at the airport. He was held in the Delta, flying back to Richmond. He had to go. Drops me off. All right, Bill, see you later in the week. Crush your pot. All right, Mike, see you later. Oh, my God. I walk in the room, and the cord is still broken that was broken last week. Best Buy is three miles away. I'm fat. I'm tired. I already got my steps in today. I'm not trying to trek my way over to the bestular bialer to get a cord and trek back. And I'm not trying to spend 20 bucks on a lift because there's a surcharge going on. So I call up Mike and I'm like, dude, I got the bat signal in the air. I got an emergency. I need to get the Best Buy stat. He says, do the sons need it? The answer is yes. Are you recording soon? The answer is also yes. No questions asked. He turns on the old Jeep machine, drives over, gets me there. I get the cord. I get back. He says, crush the pod. Michael Santa Maria, we would not be here without you. What we would be becoming with much less lower quality audio. So thank you so much for that. That was huge. Also need to shout out Allison E. from the 303 on Twitter. You did a great job with the Atlanta Hokies event. That was great. Shout out to Jarrett Boykin, Corey Fuller, and Bruce Taylor. It was great seeing all of the former great Hokies. Taking pictures with some fans, talking about the program, talking about potentially joining the Sons of Saturday, and we'll make sure we have the right cordage, the right microphoneage, and everything is good to go there. Um, also, shout out Bonnie Gilbert from the Pamplin Business Col- College Business, Kyle from Toronto, and John Threadman, Threadman, yeah, that's him, LaRock. It was great finally meeting you, and I appreciate all the support. Pat, shout-outs, go on ahead. Oh, let's jump into it real quick. Section 5, the Section 5 family, I cannot wait to see you all on Saturday afternoon at 3.30. And then I have to give some shout-outs. Uh, we already talked about wrestling. We're going to be talking about them later this week on our Pittsburgh preview. But also, men and women's basketball, 
uh, delivering some wins here this weekend. Landers Nolly, you are a special talent. Nolly Trolley, get on board right now. 27 points. Mike Young gang, get your popcorn ready because it's time. The Mike Young era has begun. Men's soccer, NCAA selection show tomorrow. I think it's at 1 o'clock or noon. And uh, 48 teams are making the field. 16 teams, the first 16 teams will receive a first round bye. Looks like the Hokies are going to be on the receiving end of one of those buys. Uh, we have a RPI of number seven. So that's awesome. Big shout out to Coach, Coach Briz. Uh, a great season for the lads. And uh, we look like we should have a first round bye and our first two games should be at home, uh, assuming the field looks nice. So shout out to them as well. Absolutely love that. Uh, Grayson, you got any uh, shout outs? I heard I heard there was an awesome get together this weekend. There was an awesome get together this weekend of, of Delta Zetas uh, from Virginia Tech. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Wimbish. That's my mom. Shout mm. out to Mrs. Finn. That's mm. Pat's mom. They were both Delta Zetas at Virginia Tech uh, back in the Dizay. However, uh, mom told me to, to shout out the Delta Zetas. They did a little reunion weekend in Blacksburg this weekend, and uh, they watched the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game at Hokie House, and then they did a little bar crawl right after that. She said it was a blast. Uh, they were at Tots. They were at Sharkies. They were all over the place. I think that's so much fun. So shout out to the Delta Zetas from Virginia Tech. Um, shout out to my L.A. Hokies. Shout out Eric Avastar. Uh, for for the vision man at Joxer Dailies, I remember when it was just you and I and like two other people there, and now we have 25, 30 people every weekend. It's awesome. It also helps when your team's winning. So um, that's, that's I think, a big factor. Shout out to Shannon for being the best bartender ever, keeping the Bud Lights flowing. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it for me, man. I think I covered everybody. Gotta say, shout out to my mom, Mama Mitchell. I love you doing your paralegal thing, throwing in the head feesies and listening as you're typing away on the paralegal. And I love you. Can't wait to see you over Thanksgiving. Um, but other than that, as you know, Wednesday we'll be coming at you with a pit preview. Um, and just stay tuned. We have something very special planned for uh, the trip up north to Scott Stadium or Lane Stadium North. Just stay tuned. It'll be on the blogosphere. Other than that, everybody, we're looking forward to it, and we'll talk to you later in the week. Right.